they were rushing. It was frantic. You're not realizing the the equity you have on a 41 yard kick. Like you're, it's just you're making that a harder kick because of the situation and because you're rushing your kicker on the field. Also, you're not leaving the ball for Josh Allen in a super low percentage. Like go the length, you know, go down the field 45 yards with 15 seconds left and no timeouts. So I don't know. I just thought they overthought it and they should have lost. They missed the kick. They missed the kick. But for some reason, the Bills are matching their personnel with the field goal block oh my god sean mcdermott what are you doing well just just stand there leave the guys that are on the field just let them stand there and watch the broncos run all their guys on and off the field and freak out and miss the kick just watch them do it and we would have a completely different narrative but the bills build it out and the broncos leave with the win and i'm done crapping all over the win john i think they uh that, that was a good a good night for the broncos on the whole of it but i just had to i have to bring that kind of commentary for Broncos country. They need that kind of commentary, John, just to keep things real, keep things in reality. I have no quibble with saying the Bills blew it. They definitely did. I just, I'm not worked up about the the approach Sean Payton took at the end of the game. Hey there, everybody, and welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here along with John Heath. It's the Broncos Wire podcast, uh, which is powered by the USA Today Network. John, along with being a good friend of mine. We've been doing the show for quite a few years now, but John is also the managing editor of the Broncos Wire. John, how you doing this week? Feeling good about your Broncos? Yeah, I'm doing really good, Ryan. I'm feeling very good about the Broncos. I've I've really flipped around from a couple of weeks ago, now feeling so positive. And that's what winning does, you know, three straight wins. Now suddenly the Broncos, like there's no guarantee, who knows what's going to happen, but like it feels like they are a legitimate threat to get into the playoff hunt. And like that's, that's all I wanted. Like I want to feel relevant. Like we've got a chance. And beginning of this season, they they looked like the complete opposite of that. So after three straight wins, and after they got that win on the road in Buffalo, which so few people predicted would happen, you cannot feel anything but optimistic about the Broncos right now. Well, I can't, Ryan. I know you feel a little different than me. We'll get into that, but I think it's fair to feel good about the state of this team right now. Was this a real win for the Broncos or was it more of a, you know, was it a Broncos statement win? Like, hey, now we're back. We're coming out of the bye week. We beat the Bills. We beat the Chiefs. You got to take us seriously. Or was this more of a epic Buffalo Bills choke at home when when the Broncos, it felt like for 10 seconds there before, maybe five seconds before we saw the flag on the field that the Broncos had lost it, right? So was it a Bills choke or a statement win by the Broncos, in your opinion? Well, there's all kinds of caveats of it being a win for the Broncos because, like you said, the Bills did choke. The the Bills blew it so many times with all those turnovers and then at the end not being ready to go with their field goal defense unit having 12 men on the field. Like, the Bills definitely blew this game. But from a Broncos perspective – like a Broncos fan perspective, I don't care. Like a win is a win. The Broncos now are one more win closer to being in playoff position. And like Denver found a way to win. Yes, they got like a gift. They got help. But sometimes the ball bounces your way. And Like a lot of times last few years, Broncos in their bad seasons, the ball never bounced their way. If it's going to be bouncing their way this year, like you got to take advantage of the opportunities when they come. When they come you have to take advantage, like winning teams find ways to win. And, you know, last year, the Broncos did not win games like this. They had nine one score losses last season. And that tied an NFL record. We're so used to the Broncos being the team that gets penalized, has 12 men on the field or loses to a last second field goal, loses by one point, two point, three points, or loses by a touchdown. Like for so many years. And even at the beginning of this season, 
the Broncos found ways to lose and, and they found a way to win on Monday. And yes, like part of it is a gift, but like I said, you, you can't control that. Like you just got to take what the opponent gives you, what the refs give you and take advantage of it. And they did take advantage of it. And you know, the, to, to me, it feels like the Broncos are back on track. And like, this is the Broncos team under Sean Payton that Broncos fans would hoping we'd get of a team that can go into Buffalo and yet like the bills, they are kind of a mess right now, but they're still the bills. They're still capable of, they were undefeated in Buffalo this season leading up to this game, even with their poor record by their standards, they were undefeated in Buffalo. So yes, the bills kind of gifted it to them, but a win's a win. You take that. Yeah, you, you don't apologize for wins when you're a seven and a half point underdog going on the road against a good team uh, and you win it. That says something about you. So I'm not trying to take it all away from the Bills. I mean, I'm sorry, the, the Broncos, John, but I, I'm i going to crap all over this win just a little bit <laughs> with, with just a, a, a mini Sean Payton rant. Can you humor me for a second, John, so I can go on this rant? Okay. For the love of God, John, can we stop obsessing over how many seconds we're leaving on the clock? It, can we just keep it simple? You know what I mean? Like, I just think I've, I've said this before. I think Sean Payton can't help himself. I put the rushed Lutz field goal that he missed, by the way, the rushed Lutz field goal. I put it up there with the surprise onside kick and the home opener. It's just too freaking cute. Stop it, Sean Payton. And it, of course, he had to do it, though, John, because at, at the end of the first half, right? Really cool situational play. The offense gets the ball down there in good field goal range. They run the offense off. They run Lutz onto the field. He kicks the field goal. You have the ball to start the third quarter. It's just a great little situational, good football thing. You look like a tight organization. It's something we would never have seen with Nathaniel Hackett. It's just like, that was awesome, right? We all loved it at the end of the first half. But you go back to it. I mean, you're on the road in Buffalo with the wind and the crowd noise and the pressure. Never mind the fact that you've already screwed up two extra points in the game. And the clock is running when they decide to kneel on the ball on third down. The play on third down is really what I have the biggest gripe with. The decision to kneel kneel the ball. You're keeping the clock running, John. So any type of procedural penalty while you're running every, guys on the field, what if you had too many men? You know what I mean? Like any little stupid penalty, well, that ends the game effectively because of the 10-second runoff. Clock's running. And they do it all because why? Josh Allen might have 15 seconds left to with no timeouts to, to get down to the, like, his own 40 or his own 45 yard line, have a shot at a game winning field goal. Like instead of kneeling it on third down, why not have Russell Wilson take the ball, run to the right off the hash mark where Will Lutz wants it. Will Lutz wanted the placement on the right hash mark. That's why Wilson ran over there and kneeled. Why not have him roll out, wait, let the bills react to him, wait, hold the ball and then throw a moon ball out of the end zone. You could burn four five, six seconds doing that. That, Play started with 24 seconds left and the clock stopped, right? You burned four or five seconds. Now, what are you at? Let's say it, let's call it 19 seconds. You bring your kicker out there with 40 seconds on the play clock to go out and go through his normal routine, John. So you realize the high percentage kick that that is instead of completely making it a bleep show by running him onto the field and running the offense off. You kick the field goal. That takes off at least another four seconds. Now we're so by the time you kick it off to the Bills, even if it goes out of the end zone, he's left with like 15 seconds left. I think the Broncos can figure that out when the Bills have no timeouts. I don't know. It's too cute. It was way too cute, and they missed the field goal. If the Bills didn't botch that situation, John, if the Bills didn't bill it at the end there, and they are one of the stupidest teams in situations like the Bills always botch these kind of situations, so I'm not surprised. But if if that didn't happen, 
we would have a completely different tone. This would be a this would be a Sean Payton show. So I just have to bring this up, John. I can't help myself. I don't want to throw the wet blanket on a, a big Broncos win because look, four and five is way better than three and six, right? They're, they are back in it and this is fun. I'm glad. I'm glad we have a season. I'm glad we have something to talk about. I was saying when they were one and five, don't give up on the year, right? I've, this, I've been pounding this drum, so I should be celebrating. But I have to throw the wet blanket out there because I just disagree so much. Sean Payton, like, stop wagging your ass at us and showing us how brilliant you are and stop being too cute and just do the high percentage, higher percentage play. And that is let your kicker go out there. When it's been shaky with, with some of those extra points anyway and that distance, just let them go out there and kick a normal kick and realize the high percentage that that kick was. I want to take that wet blanket and shake it off and throw it off in <laughs> no, this podcast. I, I, th- I think it knocked your blue and orange think- goggles right off your head. That's what it did. <laughs> I don't get your logic about them doing it earlier in the game and it and it being like getting too cute because we did it perfectly. We're capable of it. We're confident in it. And also, it's not like it was a scramble last second, like, oh, no, we got to do this. Run on the field as soon as you can. Like, they practice this all the time. Sean Payton brought in two different guys to coach the special teams this year to really fix them and address it because it was a problem for so many years. And the special teams has become so much more of a well-oiled machine. It's gone from a huge liability the last few seasons to now special teams is a strength for the Broncos. So they they drill this situation down earlier in the game. They got to do it. They did it perfectly. And then later in the game, clock seeking down, Payton says, okay, be ready to do this again. And I don't think it was that rushed. Like, yeah, you jog out onto the field because the clock is ticking, but I don't think it's like, oh, go, 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 go. Like, it, it's not like it's not rushed in like a flustered, you know, caught off guard. Like, there is a sense of urgency to run on the field, but I don't think that is like that much of a rush situation. I, I didn't have a problem with it in the scenario because you're saying, like, what's the big deal leaving Josh Allen 15 seconds? Like, I'd much rather kick as the clock expires or kick with, you know, three, four seconds is way better than 15 seconds. Like, of course the bills getting something done in 15 seconds is not a high percentage, but it's definitely likely. So you're talking about like the percentages of the kick and the kicker not feeling rushed and stuff. I think you also got to consider the percentages of Josh Allen with that rocket arm. Like, yes, he did not play well on Monday, but he can make something happen with 15 seconds. Like it's possible. And if you give him no time left, then that just completely like your percentage of Josh Allen winning the game goes from, I don't know what it would be like 30, 20, even lower than that. But it goes from that all the way to zero if he doesn't even get to touch the ball again. So percentage wise, I have no problem with trying to uh, kill the clock more like you're talking about rolling out, throwing in complete pass like I I get that. uh approach but then obviously it stops the clock like they could have run the ball but then of course there's always the risk of the fumble so I think it was a calculated decision I don't think it was trying to be too cute but like you said I have my orange and blue sunglasses (laughs) I I think he was playing percentages and I think they just thought you know we already did this we can like we literally proved in this game we can execute this well we're going to do what we know we can do, and we're going to try to leave the Bills with no or just very little time. So I didn't have a big problem with it, Ryan. I, I didn't have any problem with it. And it was windy. And, like, let's uh, – obviously he missed the one extra point earlier, and then the holder mishandled the one snap, Riley Dixon, their uh, punter. So there there were some miscues. So, yeah, you didn't want to uh, 
obviously like running out on the field is not an ideal situation, but you got to do what you got to do when you have no timeouts. Maybe they should have managed their timeouts, but a little better earlier in the game. But yeah, I, I wasn't super worked up about that. Like you are. I mean, I'm only worked up about it, John, because they missed the kick. They missed it. And it's like that situation. I bring up the end of the first half because the end of the game and the end of the first half is such a different time because of the pressure. It's just a pressure moment. It's a hard kick to make, uh, even from 41 yards. And I felt like it was overly rushed. I know they had plenty of time to do it. Uh, so I, I get the th- I get why Sean Payton did it. There was plenty of time for Russell Wilson to go over to the right hash mark, Neil, for them to switch personnel. To I, I get it. There was plenty of time. But I think, didn't Will Lutz kick the ball with like seven seconds left or something? I mean, it was like, it's not like they let the clock run all the way down. Uh, it, it seemed like... It seemed a little rushed. It went through and like there was like four seconds left. Right. And so, well, well, it didn't go through. It missed. But if it had gone through, it's like four seconds left. Right. In theory, you would think you could take care of all of that on a kickoff. So long right. as you, I guess the Bills could have caught a fair catch. But then still, they have four seconds to go the whole length of the field. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. But they did. It's not like they went out there calm, cool, and collected. We've, we've repped this like, they kicked the ball with seven seconds. They didn't let the clock. They didn't take that extra beat that they could have. They were rushing. It was frantic. You're not realizing the the equity you have on a 41 yard kick. Like you're, it's just you're making that a harder kick because of the situation and because you're rushing your kicker on the field. Also, you're not leaving the ball for Josh Allen in a super low percentage. Like go the length, you know, go down the field 45 yards with 15 seconds left and no timeouts. So I don't know. I just thought they overthought it and they should have lost. They missed the kick. They missed the kick. But for some reason, the Bills are matching their personnel with the field goal block. Oh, my God, Sean McDermott, what are you doing? Well, just just stand there. Leave the guys that are on the field. Just let them stand there and watch the Broncos run all their guys on and off the field and freak out and miss the kick. Just watch them do it. And we would have a completely different narrative. But the Bills build it out and the Broncos leave with the win and i'm done crapping all over the win john i think they uh that, that was a good a good night for the broncos on the whole of it but i just had to i have to bring that kind of commentary for broncos country they need that kind of commentary john just to keep things real keep yeah. things in reality i have no quibble with saying the bills blew it they definitely did i just i'm not worked up about the the approach sean payton took at the end yep. of the game i don't know i i haven't really noticed on twitter like i, I don't know that like Broncos fans in general are real worked up about it, but well, they, they would have okay, been, right. they would have okay, been if can, they lost. You can bring us back down to earth a little bit. Right. No, I mean, it would have yeah, been, a, it would have been a loss, but to me, that's Will Lutz. Like I'm, I'm not pinning that on Sean Payton. Cause again, and maybe I'm just being delusional, but I just don't think it was that much of a flustered rush. I think Will Lutz, just he had already missed a game. It was already windy. Like obviously there's pressure, I think Will Lutz just missed a kick. Like that's just kicking in the NFL. Like kickers do that. I I don't blame really uh, that on Peyton for putting Lutz in that scenario. Like Lutz already proved earlier in the game he could do it. So I don't know. Yeah, it, there's a lot of layers to it. Again, they had just botched an extra point uh, right before that. And again, I don't think they took all the time that they had. Again, if you watch it, they that ball gets snapped with 24 seconds left. Russell Wilson kneels it. And then that kick went left Lutz's foot with seven seconds left. They had more time. It was rushed. But uh, I'm done, John. I'm, I'm not going to keep beating that horse. The Broncos won. And you were excited about uh, what you saw from, well, Cortland Sutton continues to ball out, which is a good thing. And Russell Wilson, I mean, it's not like he had a, a vintage game or anything, but he used his legs in, in some you know, in great fashion. I thought 
there was a sketchy moment there where he took the sack uh, right before the you know they got into range for the field goal. But to his credit, the Bills called basically the same cover zero blitz the next play, and he was all over it. And that that throw to that throw down the field, I mean that was a winning play, right? Because Judy's either going to catch that and go into the end zone or it's going to get underthrown and it's an automatic PI when he works back to the ball. So I thought Wilson came up huge in the clutch. He used his legs. He had some really some really awesome off, like kind of ad-lib pitches and stuff. You know what I mean? Like he had some cool plays in there that gave the Broncos a chance and put him in position to win. I thought Russell had a good night. Yeah, he did. Uh, and you said, like, you're not sure if it was vintage Russell Wilson. I, I think it was pretty close. Like, that was pretty close to that Wilson with the Seahawks a couple years ago that was just so frustrating for a defense to play against because he just runs around, buys time, keeps things alive with his plays. He throws it to a receiver that he has all kinds of confidence in, in Cortland Sutton on that fourth down play. And Sutton, like, the concentration he had to catch the ball like a yard out of bounds, keep his toes like as far up as he could go to get himself out of bounds to catch it. It's remarkable. Still having his toes in bounds, that was just phenomenal. And we have eight games left this year. He has seven touchdowns, which is a career high. So he's on pace to you know shatter his career high. Like he he might be on pace to be a Pro Bowl receiver this year. Fans are just looking at the touchdown stats when they're voting for AFC receivers. Only Tyreek Hill has more than him right here. So that was just a phenomenal job by Wilson to keep that alive, put it in a spot where Sutton could get it, and then obviously a great job by Sutton making the play. But like you said, Wilson kind of did that all game on the on the one third down he's in pressure he just flips it to Shamaje P Ryan that was fantastic keeping that play alive and then uh on that touchdown pass to Javante Williams like a rusher came off the edge Wilson could see it coming stood in through a perfect pass to Javante Williams and just took a hit so like Wilson as you mentioned it was not a perfect game like he took some sacks he shouldn't have taken he had that one underthrown ball to Cortland Sutton that I think kind of put him in a tough position, and then Sutton ended up fumbling that ball. And as you mentioned, he had that pass to Jerry Judy. Like, if he puts that in stride, it's a touchdown, but it was way underthrown. Thankfully, that's the kind of play, like you said, a lot of times when it's underthrown like that, the receiver comes back through the defensive back, and then it's pass interference. But like that, that was a little bit of a bailout. Like, that, that could have gone bad. But, you know, you take the good with the bad with Russell Wilson and the good definitely outweighed the bad on Monday. And like, he's, he's not a perfect quarterback. Like we've talked about his shortcomings before, but you cannot deny that he is a gamer. Like he is definitely a gamer. And he, that was his 30th fourth come fourth quarter comeback win, which is 10th most all time in NFL history. The Broncos get the ball back uh, down a couple points with, you know, less than two minutes to go. He drives them down the field for a game-winning field goal. Like, he was clutch on Monday night. And, like, he demonstrated the Broncos can win with him. Like, yes, he's not perfect. Yeah, and maybe he's not the long-term guy. Maybe they draft someone next year to kind of groom behind Wilson, and then who knows until, you know, hypothetically a rookie or some young quarterback could take over. But he's good enough to win now. Like, he's still Russell Wilson. He can still make plays with his legs, and he can still be clutch. And, you know – like with some of the QB play we've seen across the NFL, like the Broncos could do worse than Russell Wilson. You know, he just showed again on Monday that they can win with him. And I think Russell Wilson, or excuse me, I think Sean Payton has done a great job minimizing Wilson's weaknesses and he's bringing out his strengths. He's letting him cook. 
He's letting him be Russell Wilson, play the way that he plays the best. And, you know, right now it's it's working. Yeah, and I, and I thought Russell Wilson's legs too, John, him extending plays, him scrambling um, for yards when there was pressure. Even I think Sean McDermott said after the game, a big reason why he called the second cover zero blitz on the final drive there that set up the play to Judy, the P.I., he called that because he was worried about Russell Wilson extending a play and maybe gaining those five or six yards the Broncos needed to get back into field goal range after the original sack, right? So Russell's legs were a problem, and I thought, you know, you could look at this game. The The one area where the Bills kind of owned the Broncos was when they ran the ball. <laughs> the Broncos did not do a great job against the Bills running backs. The problem was the Bills didn't stick with the run. And they kept saying it on the broadcast, too. Oh, man. The Bills are having another drive where they run the ball and they're really moving it. And maybe that's why Ken Dorsey is fired right now. I don't know. I think the Bills kind of made him a scapegoat. Uh, it's definitely Ken Dorsey's fault, John, that the Bills had 12 men on the field at the end. <laughs> it was definitely Dorsey's fault there. <laughs> it was not Sean McDermott's fault. No way. It was Ken Dorsey's fault. But anyway, the Bills were kind of gashing you on the ground, uh, but they didn't stick with it. And I think a big reason is because they kept fumbling the ball. So credit the Broncos for getting the interceptions and the takeaways stripping the ball, coming up with fumbles, doing that kind of thing. They've kind of returned the form in, in terms of a defense that scares you and takes the ball away. They did it again last night for uh, four turnovers for the Bills and also their own run game, right? Javante Williams. It was the Broncos that were kind of sticking with their run game with Javante Williams and Russell Wilson and the Bills who would go away from theirs and kind of struggle. And, I, and that's, that's a big key to not only this game, but you've seen that there's a trend now with Javante Williams getting healthier and healthier. I think he maybe he's 100% back now, John, and you're noticing that as a huge difference in the game for the Broncos. Oh, yeah, big time. And I think it's it's a winning formula that's been proven across the NFL that if you can establish a pounding running game, have an efficient quarterback, like Russell Wilson doesn't have to you know light up the box score. He just has to be efficient. He protected the ball on Monday, didn't have any turnovers. And then you have a playmaking defense like the Broncos have. Like That is a recipe for success. What they, the Broncos have won their last three games. In that time, Javante Williams, first he had 15 carries, then he had 27 carries, and then on Monday he had 21 carries. And he has become a workhorse for them. And the production wasn't amazing on Monday. Like I think he averaged under four yards a carry, but part of that was because the bills were really trying to shut down the run. And like, they couldn't, if you get three and a half yards a pop every play, like you're, you're picking up first downs, even if it's, you know, just little increments at a time. And I, I think, you know, Javante, he, Julio McLaughlin is a good change of pace back and he's good to get in every now and then help keep Javante Williams fresh but Javante is the workhorse. And P. Ryan, he's a good receiving back. He's a good pass blocker. So he makes sense for like the two-minute drills, the obvious passing situations. But I think Sean Payton on offense has said, okay, we're going to run the ball. You know, Russell Wilson's going to be more of a game manager. You know, he's going to get his touchdown passes from these screens and throwing it up to Cortland Sutton and stuff. But the way our offense is going to operate is we're going to be run heavy. And and these last three weeks, I think Javante now is kind of back to being more like his old self from that knee injury, and it's working. And it's just a complement of that pounding the rock combined with the way their defense is playing. Like, this is the Broncos' defense that we expected to see this year. And lately, it might even be better than we expected from the Broncos' defense this year because they've had nine takeaways over the last two weeks, they had five against the Chiefs two weeks ago, and then they had four against the Bills on Monday, 
and the Bills turned it over on down. So that's not officially a takeaway, but it, it's kind of similar. Like the defense stopped them turnover on downs. So it, it's just phenomenal the way Vance Joseph has turned this unit around. And a huge part of it is the secondary. Jaquan McMillan, the very first play of the game, he just rips the ball out of the running back's hands for a fumble and a recovery. Like he has been fantastic in the slot. The Broncos had a, uh, a third cornerback on the field, I think for like 95% of the snaps, I guess that's what you do when you play Josh Allen and that's been McMillan and he's just been fantastic. And Fabian Moreau earlier in the game, like I I think part of the reason they struggle against the run is if you bounce it outside Moreau and some of their defensive backs just aren't tackling great. Like it seemed like Moreau just was almost like afraid of contact, but in coverage, He's just been phenomenal in coverage, and he got that interception off Josh Allen. So Moreau replacing Mathis as the corner across from Sertan and McMillan being the slot guy, like that has been fantastic for the secondary. And P.J. Locke, he missed the first four games of the season on IR. He came back, and he's just been phenomenal. Kareem Jackson was suspended the last two games. And and did you even notice that Ryan? Like no. I think Locke is, I think Locke is a better option than Kareem Jackson. He hurt his ankle against the bills. So I don't know like how much that's going to impact him. I don't know if that will cause him to miss any time, but it, if it's up to me, like if they're both healthy, I think Locke should still be the starter and just make Kareem Jackson like the depth safety. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that. But the, the defense turning around like they have is just phenomenal. If you can run the ball on offense, protect the ball on offense, and have your defense play like this, like that's a winning formula. That's a playoff formula. There's eight games to go. Like it, I really truly believe the Broncos have a chance to get back into the hunt for the playoffs. Like I said earlier, nothing's guaranteed. Like it doesn't mean for sure they're going to make the playoffs, but they can get back into the playoff hunt. They really have a real chance to do that. Oh, they're there. They're four and five. They're there. I mean, uh, they're in the hunt and we'll talk about that further. And we'll talk about what is another kind of playoff a team on the NFC side, the Vikings that's jockeying for playoff position themselves. The Vikings, they've been a great story this year. And that's the next opponent on, um, on tap for the Broncos. We'll get into all that here coming up next. First, some fantasy advice for week 11. Corey Bonini with TheHuddle.com here to bring you fantasy football strong plays for week number 11. Quarterback Jordan Love, Green Bay Packers versus Los Angeles Chargers. Not only has Los Angeles given up the most passing yards per game to the position at just under 316, quarterbacks have scored a rushing touchdown on four occasions this year, and no team has allowed more, which is a nice little bonus to consider. This is the best fantasy matchup of the week. And Love faces a defense that has granted six 23-plus point performances in nine games, and they haven't picked off a pass in three of the last five outings. This matchup is 22.7% better than average in the last five games. Running back Tony Pollard, Dallas Cowboys at Carolina Panthers. Three straight games have passed since Pollard made it into double-digit PPR land, and he has posted only one stat line worth more than 10.5 PPR points since week three. The Panthers have allowed running backs 1.33 rushing scores per game on the year, and the 15 total touchdowns in nine contests gives hope for a strong showing. This is the second weakest unit at slowing the position. In the last five weeks, Carolina has given up the fourth most rushing yards and the tenth most total yards per game to running backs. Only eight defenses have permitted scores at a higher rate. Stick with your stud running back in this one. Speaking of struggling studs, Calvin Ridley, Jacksonville Jaguars versus Tennessee Titans. The former Atlanta receiver has been all over the map in 2023, 
And the last four games have seen him post three lines with fewer than seven PPR points apiece and a six-catch 83-yard game to headline that stretch. He hasn't scored a touchdown since week four. There's a quality opportunity to get on track this week versus a Tennessee unit that has permitted wide receivers to average the 13th most catches and the 12th most yards per game since week five ended. And a dozen squads have seeded touchdowns at a higher clip. On the year, eight receivers have gone for at least 16 PPR points against the Titans and Ridley should make it nine. Tight end Trey McBride, Arizona Cardinals at Houston Texans. McBride was a fantasy monster in Kyler Murray's first game back from injury, and he's a de facto number two receiver in this offense. Houston has given up the second most catches per game to tight end since week six began, and this is the third weakest unit at limiting PPR points on average in that time frame. Nine teams have been bigger pushovers when it comes to limiting scores. Expect another strong day from the young tight end. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. Okay, we're back. Uh, John, why don't you answer your own question? Are the Broncos real playoff contenders, right? Uh, I think you said in our notes for the show this week that they're the 14th seed right now, so work to be done. Uh, what are, you, are you buying it? They have the Vikings and the Browns here and the Texans, I guess. These, these next three are all over 500, their next three. So uh, they definitely... It's not like a cupcake schedule coming up. I think you don't really have easy games till the very end, Patriots and Raiders. Before that, all of these are kind of tough games, teams that are either above 500 or a team like the Chargers that's playing better football as of late, just like you are, right? The Chargers are on their own little win streak. So what do you think? It's not It's not like an easy schedule. The Broncos have to earn everything they get starting with this week against the Vikings, but how serious uh, should folks be taking them? Yeah, like you said, it, it's not a given and it's not easy, but it's it, like it's possible. And we'll get into the Vikings game, you know, at the end of this uh, podcast, we'll make our predictions. But just looking ahead of that, since we're about to talk about the Vikings, they have the Browns at home. And I, I listened to you last week, Ryan, on the podcast with Brandon Walker, and I think you kind of... Uh, exaggerated my stance on that Browns game from when you and <laughs> Wait, I Wait, what did I say? I, I totally I, forgot what I, I said. I just said that the Browns game at home was winnable, and it seemed like you kind of characterized it as me, uh, chalked it up as like a gimme game, like, oh, of course they're going to beat the Browns. Like, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to frame it like that. I well, just think at home they can win that game. I forgot and you'd be I, listening, I, John. I thought I could say whatever I wanted about you. So that's my fault. <laughs> Uh, I think the real big one is week 13. They go on the road to the Texans who suddenly like the Texans and CJ Stroud, like suddenly they look like a real team. And right now the Texans are the seventh and final seed in the AFC. They have one more win and one fewer loss than the Broncos. So just hypothetically say the Broncos were able to beat the Vikings and then they were able to beat the Browns that Texans game. You know, if the Texans lose like one game between now and then, Suddenly it could be, hey, this is, you know, it's only week 13, but as of now, this is for the seventh seed in the AFC. So I think that road Texans game, it it really could have a huge, huge influence on Devers' chances of making the playoffs. And then as you mentioned, they have the Chargers on the road, which is never a given, especially, you know, a division game. And then they have that Lions game on the road. Like I I think you have to chalk that up as a loss. Like if, if they beat them, that's just like, uh, uh, amazing, just like a bonus. But I think you, you have to count Lions in Detroit. That's got to be a loss. Home at the Patriots, like you would hope they beat the Patriots. Win. And then home against the Chargers, like at home, hopefully they can beat them. And then you said the Raiders. It's not a give me, especially in the 
it's being a division game, but hopefully they'd be able to win them. So I, they have eight games remaining. If they could win six of those, that would get them to 10 and seven. And last year, uh, 10 and seven team made the playoffs. Even a nine and eight team made the playoffs. And then a nine and eight team just missed out on tiebreaker. So I, I think 10 wins uh, could could definitely get them in the playoffs. The, the question is, is that realistic? Is that feasible? I think the home Browns game, that's a tough one. The road at the Texans is a tough one. And then the Lions on the road, like that is the biggest, uh, like that one, I think you, you just have to assume they're not going to beat the Lions in Detroit. So if they can get a win at the Texans, say they lose, to, like I broke it down in a post on Broncos wire, like say they win, against the Vikings, lose against the Browns, they win against the Texans, win against the Chargers, lose against the Lions, and then they beat the Patriots, Chargers, Raiders to end the season. That would put them at 10 and 7. Is that realistic? I don't know, but like it's a roadmap of how it could be possible to get to 10 wins. Yep, it's a path. It's a path. I mean, I think it's it's definitely feasible you at least split with the Chargers, right? Uh and then I think you beat the Patriots. They're one of the worst teams in football, unfortunately. I'm a Patriots fan, so um, that's unfortunate for me. Uh, nothing good has ever happened to us Patriots fans, John, over the years. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. Such a rough time. Yeah, it's just like I can't believe they're not in the Super Bowl every year. It's like I don't know what to, to do in my life. But anyway, the Raiders, too. I think by week 18, the Raiders will be um, – playing blackjack going to the strip clubs <laughs> you know what i mean like they'll be done with the season by then so raiders patriots can you split with the chargers that gets you to three wins so that means you got to win a couple more against some of these other teams it's gonna be tough it's gonna be tough yeah texans tough one browns tough lions tough i think the vikings will be tough too um but we'll, we'll get to that uh in terms of do i think they're going to ultimately get there john i was a no last week going into buffalo when i was talking to brandon i said i don't think they're going to get there and of course i had them losing to the bills can I get half credit for that pick, John? No, I don't no, get half credit. You get no credit, okay. Ryan. No credit. So they won that game. So that should change it a little bit now because, you know, I had them losing the Buffalo, but I'm still not quite there. I think too many tough games ahead of you. Not enough easy ones. Uh, but let's bring on the Vikings here. Are you feeling the Josh Dobbs effect, John? Are you scared? Like, how are you feeling? I think he's a such a cool story. Like, he got there on a Tuesday won his first game with them, and it's like, wow, that's so great that he did that. But then it was like, well, Baker Mayfield kind of did the same thing with the Rams last year. Like maybe it's just kind of a fluky thing where you get there, and it's almost like an advantage to not be cluttered with everything and just go out and play ball. But then the following week, he plays great again, and now he's 2-0 and with the Vikings. And so, yeah, I think it's a very cool story. And, like, from a fantasy football perspective, I'm happy about it because I picked him up in my dynasty league. I really needed a QB, and he has a rushing touchdown in four straight games, which is huge in fantasy. So, like, from a story perspective, from a fantasy football perspective, I think it's really cool. But, like, the Broncos just gave Josh – Allen so many problems the week before that they gave Patrick Mahomes so many problems like maybe this is the week Josh Dobbs comes down to earth a little bit not that he's gonna like throw four interceptions or be playing like Josh Allen did like I I don't think he's as reckless as Josh Allen and I think Josh Allen can run but he didn't really give the problem uh give the Broncos problems on the ground on Sunday I think or excuse me on Monday I think the Bills have gotten a little bit away from like the designed running plays, trying to protect Josh Allen, which makes sense, but it just kind of takes away some of Josh Allen's danger. Meanwhile, uh, Josh Dobbs, or yeah, Josh Dobbs, I just mentioned his four rushing touchdowns. He has been 
making plays with his legs, not just with the Vikings, but even earlier this season when he was still with the Cardinals, he gets around the edge. If he, if he beats your edge rusher, he can really cause problems. So I think that's something the Broncos really have to be aware of. Uh, Baron Browning, Jonathan Cooper, Nick Benito, those guys as they're rushing, they got to not let Josh Dobbs get outside of them because then I think he can cause some problems when he does that. So I think he might fall back to earth just a little bit against a good Denver secondary, but uh, he's playing so well, you have to take him seriously and think of him as a real threat to do things. But this game being in Denver and the Broncos having won three straight, played so well against Patrick Mahomes, played so well against Josh Dobbs, or excuse me, against Josh Allen, I think they can, and I think they will beat the Vikings at home. And they're two-point favorites. I think, you know, if I'm picking them to beat the Vikings, I think I would pick them to uh, cover the spread. You know, just a field goal win would do it. So I, I'm back in the Broncos this week, Ryan. Well, of course you are. You have the, uh, the goggles on, right, after that big win over Buffalo. Um, I have my own goggles on. They're purple and yellow. Um, I, I mentioned that I am a Patriots fan, but I moved to Minneapolis in October, John, and I'm drinking that purple Kool-Aid. It is just... The Vikings are a great story. Josh Dobbs is a, an excellent story. I noticed that you said that they're 2-0 and with Dobbs. You, you didn't mention that they have a five-game win streak overall. You just kind of glossed over that, John. Huh, well, it's, it's a new team with Dobbs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kirk sure. Cousins. We're, forget yeah. what Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. did. This yep. is the Josh Dobbs show. Yep, the five-game win streak doesn't count. They're 2-0. and They've won two straight. Uh, I like how you did that, John. It's a, it's a hot Vikings team. They're hot. They're playing very well on defense. Brian Flores. They, they can't really run the ball. I think that's a weakness for them, and that's a... I think that's how you can kind of get the Broncos defense right now. They're playing the pass phenomenally well, as you've stated. I think you can get them if you could run the football. I don't think the Vikings can really do that. They haven't shown that they can at least. So that that might be an advantage for Denver. But Josh Dobbs, I mean, one of the best stories in the NFL, as you said. He's just like unbelievable, this guy. So easy to root for. So I'm drinking the Kool-Aid over here. We'll see if they get Justin Jefferson back. I, yeah, I don't know. It, really yeah, it, it's, it doesn't doesn't seem like it. It seems like they're really taking their time with him, but why rush him back? They're undefeated since he hit IR. They haven't lost since he went on IR. So like, why rush him back? Uh, yeah. But in terms of the spread in the Vikings overall, they've been a good road team. So they're a dangerous road team. Uh, they've only lost one game on the road all year. It was by six points to Philly. And against the spread, they're 4-0-1 on the road. This is probably just me wearing the wrong goggles in terms of Broncos country. I'm wearing the Vikings goggles. I live in Minneapolis. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, like I said. I'm all in on the Josh Dobbs story. I'm all out on Mac Jones and the Patriots and Bill Belichick. And, you know, that that early Germany kickoff, John, I was watching it with my two-year-old, and I could not subject him to that anymore. I'm like, nope, we're going to go. We got to go find something else to do. Let's go watch freaking Coca Melon or Paw Patrol. I don't, we're, you're not watching this anymore. Get the Patriots off the TV. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think I might be converting to a Vikings fan. That's how much loyalty I have <laughs> with my with my team. I've been a Patriots fan my whole freaking life, but I can't stand them right now. Uh, you've, you've probably been there with the Broncos, but you, you I know you wouldn't bail on your team. I don't think I will either, but man, I'm getting... It, it, it's tempting because the Vikings are a fun story. Do you think you'd be as high on the Broncos in this game, John, if the Bills didn't have 12 men on the field? And we're talking about a Broncos team that, that blew that game last week? That's a really good question. I, I still think... Overall, the Broncos played well against the Bills and put themselves in position to win the game. And if the Bills don't have 12 men on the field and Will Lutz just misses a kick, and if not for a missed kick, you would have upset the Bills in Buffalo, I still think that I would say, 
the Broncos are playing at home. They just played well against the Bills. They could have beaten the Bills if not for a missed kick. So I still think I would feel the same way. And also, Ryan, by the way, I think it's fine to have a soft spot for a team in a different conference, especially when it's not like a non-conference rival or something. Okay, so I'm allowed to adopt the Vikings as my NFC team? I I give you permission. Okay, okay. I can't. And, and I, I would love to root for the Broncos, but you guys just beat the Patriots way too many times for my liking in, in big games. Yeah, it's, so. it's in the AFC, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm stung. That's why I bring so much negative Broncos commentary to the, to the table each week, I think. Don't sleep on the Vikings. Um, I think they're a good team. I know Dobbs just got here, and it's kind of easy to hone in on that. And I made that mistake last week. Uh, I do a Saints podcast with John Sigler of the Saints Wire. I picked the Saints. I said... Lightning's not going to strike twice. Dobbs did it to the Falcons, but it's not going to happen to the Saints. And then it happened because the Vikings actually have a pretty good team um, and they got a good thing going right now. I think this is, I don't think the, I don't necessarily think the Vikings are better than Denver. I just think this is kind of a coin flip kind of game. If it was on a neutral field, I think it would be like a pick them. Maybe the Vikings would be slight favorites. The Broncos are getting the edge because they're at home. And and that's fair. That's fair. I mean, that's that's totally fair. But I would, I think I would lean towards taking the points. But it's probably a game if you're like a big better, you might know, stay away from this one. It's kind of a it's kind of a coin flip game. I'm not really sure. I don't have a great read on how it's going to go. But I just think Minnesota's pretty good. And John, you have to give them credit for the five game win streak. You can't just say they're two and zero. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I I don't mean to downplay it. Like <laughs> I wasn't trying to make light of the five game win streak. I literally only I wasn't trying to be cute. Like it was just. Since Josh Dobbs took over, he I, he's not even two and zero as a starter because he didn't start the first game, but he played the majority of it. But with Josh Dobbs, they haven't missed a beat. Like Josh Dobbs hasn't lost since he got to Minnesota. I I was trying to make more of a point about him. I want to try and discredit their overall winning streak. And like you said, they are a good team and they're playing well. I it for me, it's not so much about not taking the Vikings seriously because I, I think they are a real team and I am taking them seriously. I just think. I'm taking the Broncos seriously, having won three games, how well they played against the Chiefs. And then, yes, like the Bills made some bonehead mistakes, but the Broncos still, they just won in Buffalo. So I I just think the Broncos are hot right now. Like you said, they're playing at home. So to me, it's more about I have faith in the Broncos and less about not taking the Vikings seriously. I I think it's fair. Like you said, it it is kind of a toss-up game. Like It's not going to shock me if the Vikings win this game. It's not going to shock me if this is a close game that, again, just like the Bills game, comes right down to the end. But like you said, those orange and blue goggles, I have them on. (laughs) I'm picking the Broncos. It's usually a close game with the Broncos, right? They don't usually – it would be nice for them to win a 20-point game. That that would be be new. That would be refreshing if they could just figure that thing out. Uh, but the Vikings are tough. Maybe we'll get to that with that Patriots game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. There could be like Will Greer could be starting by then. Who knows? It's freaking <laughs> ridiculous over there in New England. Uh, yeah. Again, John, uh, maybe I'm being too sensitive with my new my my love for the Vikings now. You know, I don't know. I'm trying to like the Vikings. I don't think I'm. I'm trying to talk myself into it. Maybe that's why I like them this week. But I would say I would I would probably take those points just because I think this is kind of a coin flip, and I think. The Vikings might be a little underrated because of the quarterback change. So I think on the market, from a betting standpoint, I'd probably just take the points here. John, you like the Broncos. Can't blame you there. I think a lot of Broncos fans agree with you. The Broncos have a little... They have something going. They have something going. I talked about it with Brandon, right? You win that game against the Chiefs. You win two straight before your bye. Then your team stays intact at the trade deadline. They don't move your big-name players that were all rumored to be you know, maybe available, right? The Broncos stand pat. Then they come out and beat Buffalo in Buffalo. Yes, there's really good vibes. As good of vibes as we've had in years 
with the Broncos right now. So let's see if we can keep it going. Do you have anything in the works for Broncos Wire that fans should be uh, on the lookout for, John? There might be some you know, minor transactions. There might be some injuries. I think Kareem Jackson's coming back from suspension, so they're going to need to make room for him on the roster. So uh, little things like that and then always the, the game week predictions, You know what to watch in the Vikings game. Love it. Broncos-Vikings should be a really good one. A Vikings team that's right in the middle of the NFC playoff picture, a Denver team that's trying to get in there. Big game. It's a big game. We'll see how it all shakes out, and John and I will be back next week to break it all down. Looking forward to it. And we will catch you then.